Good morning. Good morning. Happy July 4th, right? Somebody's excited. All right. So I was looking around, and I think um, our most patriotic person award this year needs to go to Troy. Troy, we stand up. Show him that shirt. <laughs> Sorry, just just had to do that. He offered he offered to give me a shirt, and I almost took him up on it. But um, I tell you what, I love my country. Today. Today we commemorate our Declaration of Independence from those Brits, right? Those dirty Brits. Uh, yeah, I love my country. Unfortunately, today we've also declared our independence, though, from God. And I'm concerned about my country. I'm concerned about the direction my country is heading. And so I'm going to celebrate today independence, right? But I'm also going to be praying for our country today and the direction that we're going to head we, we want to declare our dependence on God, not, not in every instance declare our independence from God. We want to look to God. We want God to lead our nation, right? Um, we've lost our first love with this country. We, we've lost our way, and you can see the effects of that on what's happening in this country, and the things that we're doing and the things that we're not doing and everything like that. So I hope you join me today in, in praying for our country. Um, I hope that you see yourself as a missionary to the people that you work with, to the people that you have relationships with. You know, I love hearing from Jody when she's in class and she's talking to some young teenager about God. You know, you are all, all positioned in some way to do that. So take that up, you know, take that challenge on to be a missionary right where you're at um, or ask God to send you someplace to be a missionary, right? All right. Well, uh, I'm going to keep announcements short. I will tell you that we purchased our, our church van and we're excited about that. We have a little bit of work to do on it. There's a, a tiny bit of rust. We want to just take care of that right away and, and some other things, so... Um, we're going to be doing that and taking care of that, and we want to get it stenciled. We've got somebody in the church that's volunteered to put all the lettering on it for free, so praise God for that. And then I got a call or I got a text from my uh, mom who they just got their truck, so they're ready to give us their van. So we're going to have two vans here real quick, so let's praise God for that, right? I'm excited to be able to pick people up, right, that normally wouldn't be able to make it out here. Um, especially kids. Uh, I remember on Wednesday nights when we'd have 100 kids out here, right? And, I mean, it was just amazing. So I'm praying that uh, we can do that and be a part of the community and serve the community in that respect. All right. Uh, other than that, if you would, if you received a paper from me, just make sure you check out the District Assembly full schedule of events. That is coming up not this week but next week. And some of you are invited to that. I sent out an email with that information. I've also handed out papers. If you want to go with me to our district event, you don't even have to be a delegate. You can still go to those things, so you can check out the schedule there. Uh, but I'd like to carpool. And so if you want to go, let me know that. Either text me, email me, or something like that. My information is on the back of that, that bulletin. But I think that is it. All the announcements that I wanted to do, except for a big thank you. All right, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thank VBS here in a minute, 
But I just want to thank everybody that's been working hard on um, cleaning up the church and serving the church and, and putting parking blocks down and painting them and doing weeds and pulling weeds and spraying weeds and, and mowing the lawn. You guys are amazing, and I just really appreciate all the hard work. So thank you very much for that. All right? All right, would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the ability to gather together and worship you. Lord, we give you all praise and honor. Father, we pray for our nation. Lord, would you help us to turn to you? Would you help us to declare our dependence on you? Would you guide our leaders? Would you change our leaders' hearts and give them servants' hearts, righteous and holy, Lord? Help us to lead, help them to lead in the right directions. Father, would you call each and every one of us to maybe get involved locally or in some other aspect and serve our, our community as well and represent you? Lord, forgive us for the path that we've taken. Forgive us for, for not wanting anything to do with you. Lord, we're, we're desperate for you. We're desperate for a revival to happen to our land. Father, don't let us just pray for it. Help us to be a part of it, Lord. Call us to, to reach out to our neighbors and to our friends and to our families and to our, our, our coworkers, Lord. Give us opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ and what you've done in their lives with those people that you surround us with. Help us to be faithful for that. Lord, help us be bold. Don't let us be scared of that. Don't let us be worried about that or, 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 or let that get in the way. Help us to be bold. Light us on fire, Lord. And we pray that for every other church that declares you as Savior and Lord, that preaches Jesus Christ, we pray that you would bless the churches in our community, in our land, in the worlds around us, Lord. Father, grow your kingdom. Help us to be a part of that. Father, we love you. And we give you all praise and honor. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Shout out your praise, there's joy in the house. 
chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Hopefully you were here last week for the introduction to Revelation. We covered parts of uh, chapter 1. Hopefully you're reading along with that. Today, man, it's an awesome message for where we're at as a nation and, and our church, and I'm praying that God just speaks to us directly through that. So Revelation chapter 2, beginning at 1. We're going to be looking at uh, Christ's letter to the church in Ephesus, all right? Um, that's what's addressed in this passage. We know more about the church of Ephesus than any other church in the Bible. This is kind of cool. We get to see its lifespan throughout different books in the Bible. We see it born in Acts 19. We're also going to be there today. We get to see it encouraged in the book of Ephesians. We get to see it rebuked and challenged. Uh, it's challenged in First and Second Timothy. It's rebuked in First, Second, and Third John. And then today the passage is all about Jesus threatening the church. All right? So now not only does that apply to that church, but that's a good threat for any church. So we want to take that seriously and take a look at that. The church at Ephesus had an all-star staff. I mean, you could not ask for better preachers and teachers than the church of Ephesus started. They started off with Paul, right? The apostle Paul who trained under Jesus. You can't get better than that, right? Then he set up Timothy. Timothy was a pastor there. And they also had the apostle John. They're one of the original 12 disciples. And on top of all that, you had Mary mother to Jesus Christ, 
who attended this church as well. So all-star staff, amazing teachers and leaders in this church. And even though they had these big names, they still fell away. They still had one big problem that you would not expect in a church like this. All right, so would you stand with me in honor of God's word? Revelation 2, 1 through 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. Now, an angel is a messenger, all right? So they're saying, write this to the messenger. Um, a messenger just passes on information from God. So we're really just talking about church leadership here. So to the angel, to the pastor, to the church leader, church of Ephesus, write. These are the words of him. Who's him? Jesus, who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. What are the seven stars? What are the seven golden lampstands? If you read back in the previous chapter, Revelation 1.20, it lays it out. The seven stars are the angels of the seven church. That would be the leadership of the seven church, all right, again. And then the seven lampstands are the actual seven churches themselves. So these are the words of him, Jesus, who holds the seven stars, the seven leaders in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Jesus Christ walks among the churches. Is that amazing? Right? Praise God, right? Verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. You have forsaken your first love. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove the lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. We're not going to talk about that today. We'll cover that in a different, different uh, letter to a church. Verse 7, whoever has ears, those, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. Lord, would you speak into our hearts right now? Would you, would you begin? Holy Spirit, have your right of way. Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from your word. We want to be challenged by you. Lord, we do not want to be a church that loses its first love. Father, help us not to be. Help us to keep you first and foremost, Lord. Soften our hearts to what you have to say to us. Call us, Lord. We give you all honor and praise. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, at the beginning of this, this sounds like a pretty darn good church, right? A, a church that I would want to go to. How amazing would it be to hear from Jesus? Hey, I see how hard you're working, right? Thank you. I see how you persevere. You had these phony leaders that come amongst you, and you didn't fall for their teaching. When they told you to share this thing on Facebook within 30 minutes of seeing, and you would get a blessing, right? You didn't fall for that garbage. You just ignored it and blocked that. That is false teaching, right? right? You didn't fall for that. You didn't, you didn't do that. Great job. This church knows the truth. This church knows the truth, right? If you think about it, the only way to 
recognize false teaching is if you know true teaching, true doctrine, true, true um, theology. They're not putting up with false teaching. Guys, you should be questioning everything that comes from this pulpit with the Word of God. And if I say something that is not right, you need to call me on. I know John will do that, right? He will, he will do that. So you need to do that as well. You need to question everything you hear from these TV evangelists. There's some garbage going out there, some pretty big people that have huge followings that have some garbage on there. We need to test that, right? Verse 3, Jesus points out they persevere and endure hardship for his name. How awesome would it be to hear that? There, you know that there is nothing new that we struggle with today that, that other people haven't struggled with in the past. There's nothing new. Right? The things we struggle with today, people struggled with back then. We, we see our society and we're like, man, we are a sex-crazed society. Right? It's not new. You know, it's not new. We think it's new, but it's not new. In, in the church of Ephesus, they had a temple of Artemis that had over a thousand male and female prostitutes that worked that church. And you would worship by visiting those people. I mean, nothing new. They also had a marketplace and right next to the marketplace was a library. So the women would go to the marketplace and go shopping, right? The men would go to the library, do some research. Except for the men uh, and going to the library also had a secret tunnel that went to a brothel, right? Nothing new that's happening today that wasn't happening back then. Crazy, crazy. You know, um, we think humanity is a train wreck today, but it's been messed up ever since Genesis 3. It has been messed up. The world has been broken right, ever since Genesis 3. Th same things that we struggle with today, they're just packaged differently. There's some messed up stuff going on in the Bible if you read that. Take a look at Genesis. Read through Genesis, and you will see some crazy things in there, and you'll feel better about where we're at today, all right? So take your time, read through there. So here's this church, though, that has the same struggles and temptations that we have, right? But remember, they are under extreme persecution and hardship. Extreme. You remember last week some of the things that were, were going on? The Roman Empire was coming against them. The Roman Empire wanted to just wipe them out, right? They had laws that targeted them. Nobody in this church is going to lose your home because the government doesn't like that you're a Christian today. It might come to that someday, but it's not happening right now today, right? No one is going to be dipped in oil and lit on fire and used as a human candle because you love Jesus in America. We don't know, we don't get all the persecution that they were under. Other countries have tremendous persecution, but America is not one of them, right? That's what they're dealing with, though. And Jesus says to this church, man, you've endured for my name's sake. That's awesome. You've been faithful. You haven't grown weary. I like this church, right? But there's a problem. Jesus has something that he's holding against them. Hey, you've abandoned your first love. The word abandon is a heavy word. Some of you know what that's like. Some of you hear that word, and you don't know immediately, immediately what it's like to be abandoned, maybe by a parent, right, or maybe by a spouse, or maybe by kids. You know, man, Jesus says, though, hey, you've abandoned me. You've abandoned me. 
He goes on to say in this rebuke, remember how far you've fallen. Apparently, they were up here at one time, and now they're down here. Remember how far you've fallen. Look how far you fell because you abandoned your first love. Well, what's, what's at stake here? Jesus says, hey, I'm going to remove the lampstand. What's the lampstand? The church. Despite everything that they're doing well, which is pretty impressive, right? Jesus says that they are in danger of having the presence and power of Jesus Christ removed from their church. That right there should cause us to pause and think about our own church. Everybody who has a church should pause and think about that, right? You mean you can be nailing holiness? You can be nailing doctrine? You can have it all right, right? You, you could not be turning your back on, on Christ, and yet you can still abandon your first love? How does that happen, right? In such a way that you are in danger of the lampstand being removed. Wow. Wow. What do we pride ourselves in? Hey, we're a holiness denomination, right? We're hard workers. Have we abandoned our first love? I hope we understand how serious this is because we can, we can think those other things are more important. I mean, it's just love, right? Look what I'm doing for you, Lord. Isn't that how we justify things? Look at the money I give to this church. Look at the time I spend doing these things. Man, I, I worked VBS, right? Surely this means a lot to you, Lord. Matthew 7, 21 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord is a statement of relationship. Not everyone who says that they have a relationship with me will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What's the will of God? Not ours. Amen, right? Something he, some, some people think he's talking about things you do. The will of God, though, is for you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, for you to know him. Think branch life. Think back to that. It's for us to abide in him. The will of the Father is that you have a relationship with him. Verse 22, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many mighty works? In your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. I never knew you. Depart from me. You workers of lawlessness. Whew. Th this verse, first time I heard it, man, it gave me a nightmare. Man, do you know him? Do you know him? Not are you doing good things in his name do you know him the focus is not about what you do right there, there's this teacher of the law that comes up to jesus in the book of matthew i love this story um, and at this time there's this massive debate going on about what the greatest commandment is they were they were fighting about this is the greatest commandment. this is the greatest commandment. you know 
they're trying to figure out what it really is all about to follow God. What's, you ever wrestled with that thought? What's this really all about? You know, that's what they were doing. And you had this group saying, this is the point. You had this other group saying, this is the point. And I often think it's probably like denominational disagreements today, right? Well, this is the point. We're a holiness congregation. We're, we send missionaries all over the world, right? That's what we're about. Uh, maybe you have another congregation that's saying, well, we speak in tongues, we're Holy Ghost filled, or maybe you have another congregation saying, we, we dress right, we have the, the right length of hair for men and women, right? And we, we nail that down. Lucky for us, though, the teacher asks Jesus the answer, that question, right? And we get to hear the right answer found in Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Amen? And a second is like it. What is that one? You know it, right? These are the two greatest commandments. The response to what's the point of all of this that we're doing, according to Jesus, is to love God, vertical reconciliation, relationship with God, and then love others. Horizontal reconciliation with other people. Amen? Amen. Our love for God spills out into loving others. So if a church loses its first love, though, it loses the point of everything. It does. A church that knows a lot about Jesus but not, does not love Jesus is a church dying or dead. As a church, the danger is that we can do a lot of things well but lose the most important part. We can be like a clanging cymbal. I heard somebody mention, why aren't you playing the cymbal, right? I don't know, I don't know anybody who really likes a song full of clanging cymbal, you know? There's nobody going to order a five-minute-long song of, of cymbals clanging together. That would not make a good song. It would probably be worse than country music, right? <laughs> like, close, Probably a little worse. <laughs> I've never been booed in the altar. Thank you, Daniel. That's great. Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of angels, can I just tell you I really don't understand what that means? If I have the faith, if I have faith that can move mountains, that's pretty impressive. I get that, right? Though I give all that I possess away, all that is for nothing if I don't have love. Love is the point. It's so important that Jesus threatens them. He threatens them. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Your church is done. Well, what are the things that it did at first? Luckily, I told you we get to see the lifespan of the church at Ephesus, so we get to see the things that it did at first. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. This is where it starts, and this is what they're doing at the beginning. The apostle Paul gets to Ephesus, and he finds a small group of disciples there. I think there's 12, if I remember correctly. He asks them something. Hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they're like, what's the Holy Spirit? Right? So, no. That'd, that'd be a no. Right? 
So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? And, and they're like, we received John's, speaking of John the Baptist, baptism, baptism teaching. Uh, John's, the Baptist baptism was a one of repentance. It's like, don't do the bad things that you are doing. Repent from them, turn from them, don't do those things. So you realize, hey, you shouldn't be doing that. And you swear, I will never do that again, right? I will never get drunk again. And then the next weekend, though, what happens? You're you're hugging a toilet all over again. The, the baptism of repentance is, is limited. It's good, but it's, it's limited, right? With a baptism of repentance, you're, you aren't surrendering your life to Jesus. You're just trying to be a better person sometimes. That's why Paul says, have you received the Holy Spirit? And again, they're like, what's that? And Paul's like, oh, you need the Holy Spirit. And bam, they receive the Holy Spirit. And then the next thing that we know, they're speaking in tongues and prophesying. That's what the Bible says. All right. After this, the text tells us that Paul starts to teach daily in the synagogue, but some of the Jewish people, some of the Jewish leaders come against him and stir up trouble. So he has to move out of there and go to, go to the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Now, that sounds like a bad thing, but who's going to be exposed to Paul's teaching? Those who don't know the good news, those who don't know about God. So this is really a great move. Right? And so Paul gets to teach them there, get this, every day for two years. Every day for two years. The Bible says all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen? How amazing is that? Well, it gets better, Right? In the middle of all the teaching and preaching, there are these miracles that are happening. People would come and, and take things that were touched by Paul, and they would touch other people, and those people would be healed, or demons would be cast out. Evil spirits would leave people. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Such amazing things were happening that people tried to copy it. There were some Jews who tried to do similar things. One, one group that the Bible talks about says, hey, let's drive out some demons. I don't know about you, but that's not going to be the thing that I try, right? That doesn't sound like something I would want to do. But they invoke the name of Jesus over those who were demon-possessed by saying, in the name of Jesus, get this, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Notice they didn't know Jesus, right? They just heard about what this... Paul guy was preaching. And we have this particular account where seven sons of Sceva, I, I love this story. This probably shows my immaturity a little bit. But I love this story. Uh, Sceva was a Jewish chief priest. We're still in Acts 19. Uh, and, and these seven sons attempt to do this. So they, they try it on this person that has this evil spirit. And they say the same things to them. The evil spirit answers them back, though, and says... Jesus I know, Paul I've heard about, but who are you? Right? Who? And then the story says that the demon-possessed man literally beat the pants off them, and they run out of the house naked and bloodied. It reminds me of a time when I was testing for my brown belt in karate. You would have to spar people on, on test day, and you'd start sparring like, the blue belts and the green belts and the yellow belts, start off with the easy people, and then you'd work your way up to the higher ranks. And so the last person you spar is your teacher. 
So I'm sparring my teacher, and by this time I'm sweaty, I'm spent, I throw a punch. He catches my punch underneath his arm. I pull my hand out of my glove. His instructor comes over and stops the fight right there and, and says, hold on, hold on. So I'm thinking, oh, they're going to let me put my glove back on. No, his instructor takes our gloves off and says, go ahead. So those gloves protect, you, protect your face from getting cut up and beat up and does a lot of protect. It also protects your hands, too, anything. So we go bare knuckle against each other, all right? And um, let me just say, he whooped me. I mean, there was, like, I've never been knocked out, but he buckled my knees one time, uh, nailed me right in the face. It was, it was pretty good. Um, but at the end of that, all right, my face was so cut up and bruised that I had to wear makeup to work the next day. That's how bad it was, all right? So, um, I, I, guys, I don't know if you know this, but foundation does not work well over scabs. Just <laughs> not very good. Bruises, yeah, scabs, no. Um, I, it just so happened that I, I was a, a store manager at Taco Bell, and we had a market meeting next day with all the other store managers and my boss. So I go there with makeup on, looking probably ridiculous, and people are just like, looking at me like, what the heck happened to you? Yeah, don't, don't worry about it, right? Sometimes when you're in a fight, there is not a clear winner. You're like, man, I got in some good shots. You know, he got in some good shots. Um, I'm not sure who won. Well, if you have to wear makeup to work, you, you did not win, all right? You are not the winner, and everyone who saw me realized that. Similarly, Similarly, if you start a fight with clothes on and you get the clothes beat off of you, you did not win the fight, right? These boys got whooped so bad that they ran out of there naked and bloodied, all right? Well, this happens. The Bible says the Jews and Greeks heard about it. The Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were seized with fear. And the name of the Lord was held in high honor. Hey, I know Jesus. I've heard of Paul, but I've never heard you. They knew the name of Jesus, right? The whole culture of Ephesus, as a result of hearing about this, changed. The whole culture, the whole community. Those who were selling idols, we read a little bit later in there, those who were selling, making money selling idols lost business because people were not buying those idols. How cool would it be for our nation to have that same thing happen to us. Could you imagine if a bunch of strip clubs closed down because our culture was changed and people quit frequenting them because they held the name of Jesus in such high regard? Could you imagine, right? That's what's happening in Ephesus. Here's what we read in the middle of all of that, Acts 19, 17. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, the story that I just told you. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who, and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them all in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came out to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. This is the church at its height. 
This is a church doing, loving its first love, right? And there's some quick things that we need to see and we need to check our own selves with. Number one, they extolled the name of Jesus. They extolled the name of Jesus. I'm reading out of the ESV if you're wondering. You probably don't use the word extol often, but it means to lift up, to esteem, to praise, right? So one of the things that they were doing at the height was they were captivated so much by Christ that they, were, they, they held him in high regard, high esteem. They praised him, right? Do we, do we today extol the name of Jesus? Do we hold him in such high regard? I hope we do, but I wonder, do we? Do we extol his name when we talk to other people about him? Let, let me give you a simple way that you can do this anywhere that you're at. You're at, you're at work one day, right? And you hear about your coworker who's having some difficulties, Right? You can go up to that person and say, hey, how can I pray for you? That is extolling the name of Jesus. It doesn't sound like it, but that's exactly what it is. You aren't saying, hey, how can I, how can I fix your problems, right? Can I take your problems? No, to the one who can fix your problems because he's way above me, right? And maybe that turns into, hey, can I introduce you to him as well? Right? That's how you extol an example of extolling the name of Jesus. Don't you want those experiences? You have to step out on faith and allow the Holy Spirit to work. You have to follow his prompting. You have to follow his leading. You extol the name of Jesus, and I guarantee you will see the power of Jesus. All right? They also walked in transparency. They confessed and divulged their practices. They told people in their small group at church the dirty things that they were doing. All right, there's a difference between confessing and divulging. When you confess, you can say, hey, I'm struggling. Will you pray for me? And that's, that's pretty good, right? When you divulge, though, you go into what you're actually doing. All right, and that's where, yeah, mm, yeah you have to be vulnerable, right? Lots of people would ask you to pray for them. Few people will actually tell you what's going on in their life, what they're struggling with. That is a game changer when it comes to prayer. I'm struggling is a lot different than here's what my struggle looks like. Here's the grimy details. When they found my dad, they found cases of empty beer, cases, of, cases full of beer. They found prescription pills. I knew what he was doing, but he wouldn't admit it. When I would ask them, he'd be like, oh, I'm just having a beer here or there, or I'm not drinking. And here he was pounding it hard. We have to be willing to share what we're dealing with. We have to let the world, let not the world, but our church body into that, at least some people in the church body. Here's what I'm involved in. I'm embarrassed by it. I don't want to do it. But, but here's what's going on in my life. Here's where I need help. What does this do? What does it do when we go beyond confession to actually divulging things? Do you remember when I was talking about the Spartans and the Battle of Thermopylae? You remember that story? There was this Persian army coming to wipe the Greeks out, two million men army coming to wipe the Greeks out, led by this commando group, this, this special group called the Immortals. They meet up against the 300 Spartans and a few thousand Greeks. 
And these Spartans and these Greeks hold this narrow pass, right? And they prevent the, the army just blowing past them. They all end up dying, all right? But they end up taking out like 20,000 of, of these Persian army there. And, and, and this messed with Xerxes' head, the leader of the Persian armies. And he was wondering, how did they do this? And it all came down to their, their fighting style, the way that they did this. They were serious about war. They approached it differently. They were trained and they were, they were diligent and they held their shields in a certain way. They would form up in a certain way that not only would their shield protect them, but it would also protect their brother to the right and to the left. The only way a Spartan was safe was if the man to the right and to the left, held that shield up for them and helped watch their six, right? When we divulge the things that we are struggling with, we give somebody an opportunity to bring up a shield next to us and be there for us. That's what we need to do. Be, be wise in who you share things with, right? We don't want to come up here in front of everybody and just share some things, you know, but you got to have some people that you can divulge things to. If we don't, man, people can't step in their, their shield, with their shields and help out. When somebody does divulge something, they'll think about this. Man, I know specifically how to pray for that person. I know exactly how to pray for that person. It's not some general thing, which is okay, all right, but I know specifically how to get on my knees and go to war with my brother or sister and be there for them. That's what we need to do. Ephesus loved Jesus enough to be willing to share those things with other people. Ephesus loved Jesus enough that when those people did share those things, they weren't like, oh, man, you're a horrible person, right? No, no. And I see you as Christ sees you, and I will stand next to you. I will be there for you. Ephesus loved Jesus that much. They're also serious about their sin. They brought these divination books together and burned them. When I got serious about Christ, some things had to go in my life. Some things had to go, right? Some music I listened to, it wasn't country, but still some music <laughs> that I had to go. I noticed when I was listening to certain music, it started taking me in a direction that I didn't need to go, right? That's me. That might not be you. I'm not saying get rid of all your secular music or anything like that. The music I was listening to, though, was not the best. It was, it was taking me in that direction, and I had to get rid of it. I knew I had to get rid of it. You, you know what happened? I didn't want to get rid of that. There was a struggle, right? But at the end of the day, I love Jesus more than I love that. I thought I was giving something up. You know what, though, he did? He brought me Skillet. <laughs> I love that band. Man, I, I, I don't just love that band. I love that band. Man, they, they are amazing. And, and he replaced something crappy with something amazing. You think you're giving something up for, for God? He's just got something 10 times better. Man, now, now Skillet and me, we're going in the same direction. Skillet encourages me to go in that direction. What do you need to give up? What's taking you in the wrong direction? Don't, don't think about it as what you're giving up. 
Think about it as, what does God have in store for you? Man, you, you're dating somebody, all right, and God says, nah, you need to cut that off. It's not about what are you losing. It's about what does God have planned for you? What's God got for you that's even better, right? The Ephesians loved Jesus so much that they weren't going to let anything take them away from Jesus. Let's burn it, man. Let's get that sin out of our way. They burned it because they didn't want to go back. They knew that that stuff would destroy them, pure and simple. That's what sin does. It takes you in a direction that you don't want to go, and it will kill you. No exaggeration. It will kill you. And too many Christians, myself included, are still playing with it. We've got to get serious. Do you ever watch a rodeo? Anybody? All right. So there's an interesting thing that takes place where these guys who must be a little bit messed up, I say this because they willingly strap themselves to these 2,000-pound animals. And not only do they strap themselves to these 2,000-pound animals, they, they inflict pain in a very sensitive area on these 2,000-pound animals, and then they let the animals go, and they try to hang on for eight seconds, right? These guys are confident in their technique, They've got bravado. They're confident in their strength. They're confident in their experience, and they think all of that will get them through this encounter for that eight seconds. And yet, for the most part, they don't make it for that eight seconds. They get thrown off. Some get trampled. Some get crushed. Some get broken. Some get beaten. Some just get knocked out in the process. My friends, that's you and me when it comes to sin. We think that we can just get on there for eight seconds, just a little bit, and we'll be okay. We're confident in our ability to handle it. Oh, I can handle it. I can watch this show, right? If it's sin, though, you can't. It's like getting on the back of a bull. It will, it will take you someplace you don't want to go. You will not have a choice. It will drop you off, trample you, kick your butt, horn you, whatever. So Ephesus, they loved Jesus so much, they extolled him. They held him in high regard. They loved Jesus so much, they looked at their brothers and sisters and shared what they were struggling with. They'd come alongside each other with a shield. And the church of Ephesus loved Jesus so much that they just got all that sin out of the way. That's what they were doing. That's the height that they fell from. That's what we need to consider today. Where are we at with all of that? What needs to change? What do we need to do in our lives? Man, I, I hope that our church hungers and thirsts for the word, man, and it's good doctrinally, good theology-wise. I hope we study it. I hope we all want to be used by God and we follow the Holy Spirit's leading and we see lives that are transformed. I hope we are people who worship in spirit and truth. That's what it's about, right? But man, I hope... We don't lose our first love. It's the main thing. It's the most important thing. It's branch life. It's abide in him. It's live in him. Where are you at with that? Would you stand with me? Can I ask you to examine your life right now and pray to God to speak to you about what your next step is
from here. Maybe there's some things that need to change. Maybe there's a course correction. Maybe you need to get back on track. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? Man, it is easy to get off track, right? Maybe you realize you're not extolling Jesus, the name of Jesus. You're not holding him in high regard. What would your checkbook say about are you holding Jesus in high regard? What would your church attendance say are you holding Jesus in high regard? What would your habits say about that? Are you just adding Jesus to your life or is Jesus your life and you're working your life around that? What do you need to do? Is Jesus just there when it's convenient. Maybe your next step is to orientate your life completely around him. Maybe you're struggling with something that you need to confess and divulge. Maybe you need to find some brothers and sisters and just let them know what you're dealing with. Maybe you need to let them link shields with you and lift you up and pray for you in that specific area that you struggle with. Maybe you need to get rid of some stuff. Maybe there's stuff that's just taking you in a direction that you shouldn't be going, right? Maybe it's music. Maybe it's things that you watch on TV. Maybe, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a block that you need to put on the internet because you're looking at some things you shouldn't be looking at. Maybe there's a relationship that needs to take a back seat. It's not good for you. Is there something there that you need to burn? Is there something there that you need to get serious about? Is that you with one of those things? Is that a step that you need to take? Maybe God's speaking to you. Would you just raise your hand if, if God is prompting you with some change that needs to happen in your life so that I can pray for you? Would you raise your hand and let me know hi and, and everything? I appreciate that. I will, I will be lifting you up with those things. One last group. Is there anyone in here that needs to take the first step? Maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you haven't received the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're trying to be a good person, but it's just not working out. Maybe you're the person that needs to put your faith in Jesus Christ and trust him. Maybe you realize, man, I am not a good person. The only hope I have is if he did die on a cross for my sins, and I'm going to put my full faith and trust in what he did for me. And I am going to accept his gift of forgiveness. I'm going to accept his gift of grace, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, I want to ask the Holy Spirit to come into my life and change me. Is there anybody in here that I can pray for? That, that wants to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Anybody? I see the hand. Get with me. Pray with me. All right? Right after the service. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, here we are. Lord, don't let us forget our first love. Help us to make that the point of everything that we do. Help us to make our relationship priority, number one, and let that overflow into our lives, into every other area with every other person. 
Lord, we love you and we give you all praise. We thank you for dying on a cross for our sins. Lord, help us to live a life in response to the grace that we've been given. Father, don't you dare let us keep it to ourselves. Help us to show how, how disgusting that is. Give us opportunities to share that with other people, to invite people into a relationship with you. Father, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Come in and change our lives. Lord, if we're off track in any other in any area, Father, I pray that you would be with everybody that raised their hand in that respect and you would help them to make that decision where they just entrust that thing to you. Lord, move in their lives. Light them on fire. Father, use them. Lord, help them not to think that they have to be good enough for you. Help them not think that, that this is all that their relationship with you is hinged on that. Lord, that's not true, but Father, we want to put you first. We want to have that relationship with you, and it's not about what we do. It's about the time we spend with you and following you. Lord, help us to do that. Don't let anything get in the way of that. Father, we surrender whatever that is to you. Lord, we love you, and we praise you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 You are dismissed.